Bonjour, I am Estelle, your host, and this is Wildlife Conservation Insights, the podcast dedicated to the connections between wildlife and human being. You want to know more about wildlife, about what's going on, why some species are getting endangered, what are the challenges our world is facing? You want to meet people that dedicate their life to, sale, to save animal species? Specialists that want to understand better the new challenges animal and human are facing? You want to be proactive and also participate in species conservation? This podcast is for you. Welcome to Wildlife Conservation Insights. I am Estelle, a French veterinarian who specialized in zoological and aquatic medicine, and I am passionate about wildlife. This podcast focuses on the role of human being on animal species conservation and how each individual human being, you and me, can help protect and preserve animal species. If we can teach people about wildlife, they will be touched because humans want to save things that they love. Let's dig deeper. I am extremely excited to start the Wildlife Conservation Insights podcast. I am a French veterinarian who specializes in zoological aquatic medicine. It all started after a PhD in cellular biology and toxicology, where I decided to go back to veterinary school to become a veterinarian, which will take care of all kinds of animals. In 2014, I left France to live in the US for three years, doing a highly specialized training and went back to Europe to work in two zoological institutions before creating my own company. I am taking care of all kinds of animals, from fish to the largest mammals. I am also a human being that before COVID-19 used to travel around the world. We humans need to respect our planet and all its inhabitants. Why do I care? I care as I used to work closely with critically endangered species. And these species are facing old and new threats all linked to human activity, either directly or indirectly. My goal is to share my vision and thoughts through this podcast. I would like to share with you guys the insights from other specialists working with wildlife. My guest today is Dr. Marcus Hofmeyer. After qualifying as a veterinarian, Marcus worked at a variety of practices, including clinical practice in exotic animal medicine. In 1995, Marcus got his break in the wildlife industry when he was employed in Marike Games Reserve, where he gained a tremendous amount of ecological, veterinary and management experience in wildlife translocations. From there, he moved to the Kruger National Park and then became head of veterinary wildlife services at South African National Parks for 15 years. His expertise on wildlife conservation management, veterinary and crime issues, 
led him to the position of Chief Conservation Officer for Great Plains Conservation Foundation and Rhinos Without Borders since 2017. Due to the sudden increase in rhino poaching crisis, Marcus has been highly involved in wildlife crime prevention. His role includes leading veterinary aspects of Rhinos Without Borders and support relevant government institutions with veterinary support and training. Without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome my guest, Dr. Meyer. Hi, Marcus. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Estelle. Good to hear from you again. Yes, my pleasure. So uh, where are you right now? Which part of the world? I've just come from Namibia, but I'm currently in Maun, which is the gateway to the Okavango Delta in Botswana. Wow, cool. <laughs> I want to go there, actually. <laughs> Looks really good. Mm, no, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Eh? Yeah. And uh, how is the weather? Is it kind of rainy or sunny right now? We're going into our main dry season and we've had a very poor rainy season. So we're actually experiencing a very bad drought uh, and uh, it's uh, it's going to be quite uh, interesting to see how the animals cope with all of the lack of food and lack of water. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm currently in France and it's kind of sunny as well, but nothing like what you're experiencing right now. So anyway, I briefly introduced you. Um, I would like to, to know if you can share with us how you got into this field. Yeah, so I, I followed a, a fairly interesting path. I became interested in wildlife when I was already at school and uh, was lucky enough to be accepted as a volunteer during my school holidays in various game reserves and parks and zoos and uh, wherever I could find a gap to work as a volunteer in, in the wildlife field, I, I went, um, primarily with management initially um, and later on with research projects. And because of that, and at that time, it was a very small community. Uh, obviously, I was sort of known by a number of people. And uh, as I then moved to university, I continued that trend of working in my university holidays with various uh, institutions. I worked in Zimbabwe, I worked a bit in Canada, I worked uh, all over South Africa. And then when I qualified, I started to work in a exotic animal clinic at the University of Pretoria and at the veterinary clinic, um, veterinary faculty. Went to Canada for a couple of months, did the same there, volunteered at various wildlife practices and uh, in the wildlife reserves. And uh, eventually was very lucky enough to get a position, not as a veterinarian, but as a field ecologist in one of our provincial park systems. Mm -hmm. And that really got my career going quite quickly. So it's, you know, it's persevering, keeping your mind open, learning as much as you can from as many as people, get your name out there and people see that you're willing to go the extra mile. And I suppose the right opportunity will then open up. And once I was in, in the formal conservation arena, then you obviously get to expand your network very quickly. And after my stint in the provincial organizations, I was headhunted by uh, South African National Parks and got a position in the Kruger National Park as the junior vet. And that progressed eventually to the head of department for the Veterinary Wildlife Services department that does all the veterinary and translocation work for sand parks and some of the regional stuff uh, that expanded my my network even further and 
from there I've moved to Botswana to work with Great Plains Conservation as their Chief Conservation Officer and Veterinarian with the initial focus to move rhinos to Botswana to what we consider a safer area than South Africa, uh, but also with a regional conservation uh, impact and uh, network. So yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a flow from basically very basic volunteer work to, to where I am now, where I'm you know, hopefully influencing the international and regional conservation and veterinary arena. Wow, this is great. You know, for many people and also many vets, your job, your job is actually a dream job. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I was very lucky in my career to be able to do what I've done so far and um, hope I can continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, making a difference. Huh? Uh, I wanted to ask you if you can uh, just tell us a little bit on, uh, on your daily job. What do you do? What is your typical day? Okay, so the current position that I'm in is quite versatile. It, it varies from, you know, quite a lot of meetings with the local stakeholders because it's not just veterinary, it's a, it's a genuine conservation function. So it's networking with government and other government departments and NGOs that are in the arena, in the, in the, the, the sort of area that I'm operating in. Uh, to implement in Botswana primarily rhino-related conservation projects and now more and more community support projects, how to engage with communities so that they are more positive towards wildlife. Uh, in one of our areas of operations in Zimbabwe, we've got um, a big concession that we basically setting up a conservation program to rewild the area because it was overhunted uh, up until recently. Uh, so that's one aspect. And then the actual physical veterinary work depends if there's emergencies, I'll go out to those. If it's um, planned work, then obviously we go out for a longer period of time, replacing transmitters, putting ear notches in, uh, just return from Namibia uh, as part of a cross-boundary effort to monitor predators and elephants, um, fitting, fitting transmitters to them and also some rhino work. So it's very, very diverse. So no one day is the same. Occasionally I might be in the office for a week, but then I'll be out in the field for a bit, for a while again. So it's like a gigantic puzzle where you're putting all the pieces together and it's, it's definitely part of the One Health concept, right? Because you're working both on population side, but also animal conservation. Yeah, so a big focus is the One Health approach. And, and you know, we're trying to set up cattle projects here where cattle become part of the conservation solution rather than uh, than the, the enemy. Uh, it's working with, with veterinary departments to discuss those things, to work with communities. Uh, and when we're obviously moving rhinos, for example, then it's very individually focused on the, on the animal itself. But the larger part of the function is not individual animals, but actually looking at how do you protect and enhance the ecosystem of the area. and particularly making sure there's connectivity with, within the landscape so that wildlife populations can move and you have a healthy ecosystem. And in that system, people have a role to play, livestock have a role to play, and how do you integrate all of that? I think there's very quickly becoming a recognition that without involving people and livestock, you're not going to survive, uh, solve or protect any wildlife uh, in this world. There's just too many people, too many, too mm. many livestock. So they have to be part of the solution. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Everyone needs to be part of that. Um, based on your experience and things you have seen and done, uh, what would you say are the main concerns from a conservation standpoint? I know you, you talked a little bit on, about that, right? Like earlier on, but can you expand on that, please? 
on the point of uh, the biggest concerns for conservation going forward um, is uh, quite clearly um, a complex array of global environmental change issues. And what I mean by that is that the, um, the world's um, entire ecosystem is being affected not only by climate change, which is obviously what everybody talks about, but there's a whole lot of other human-made functions that, uh, that result in, in, in things probably accelerating, including p pollution, habitat degradation, um, in, a massive increase of, of human population, and not only human population, but livestock populations as well. Um, and, you know, in, in that whole mix, you've got the potential that disease can play a, a, a sort of a, a fundamental role at destabilizing already impoverished or degraded ecosystems. Uh, and unfortunately, the whole uh, economic environment of globalization and, and, and sort of having targets of 3 to 8% economic growth every year depends on more of this type of behavior reinforcing the, the change that's going to be taking place at an accelerated rate. So we almost have to really change the way we behave at, 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 from the individual level up if you want to st stem the tide of change that's coming over us. And I think it's going to be quite significant and, and uh, I'm not going to be, not going to be uh, possible for, for a while. So um, I think there's a lot of challenges out there. Mm, yeah. So, you know, everyone talk about conservation. It's kind of um, a big word that everyone, you know, use without really knowing what it means. So I would like to know what is your vision about conservation? What does conservation mean to you? And and also what uh, the One Health concept, you know, what does that mean? Because we're talking about all these different things that have to come together. It's not just about, you know, animal health or human population health. It's it's kind of an integrated view. Yeah, you have to have a very integrated view. Um, uh, so there is a, a, a very important approach that needs to be taken, and that's to take a holistic uh, view going forward. Health and uh, sort of from an ecosystem point of view needs to be approached. So that means that between livestock and people and wildlife and ecosystems, there needs to be some sort of overlap and balance that needs to be achieved in a very, very healthy fun uh, healthy healthy way mm -hmm. so if we can focus at using people and livestock to create sustainable ecosystems the wildlife will survive as well but we have to include them in the solution because it's not going to work otherwise yeah and um and uh, this is quite complex and uh, we need to make sure we understand how to achieve that in the best possible way uh, and and one of the ways to do that is to actually really start including local communities at a, at a very specific level so that we can actually improve our ability to to improve rangelands and make sure that water quality is good and not even focus only on large mammal uh, national park type of conservation because that that, in, that is obviously very important but without the stuff outside of the parks we're not going to be able to um, to achieve that. Mm. 
Yeah, um, I would like to know which uh, which realistic actions do you think that we should or could could deploy to participate to species conservation? So, for example, for you in Rhino, so how do you envision things? Well, I think we must use Rhinos as an ambassador to achieve conservation outcomes in, in a better way. And that we, if we're going to move rhinos into a new area, then it must be a holistic approach. We need to make sure that they are safe. We need to make sure that people that live in the area accept the presence of the rhinos. We need to make sure that the people that live in the areas where rhinos are have value added to their lives in some form or another, and that they also have the value system that will support the security of that. Because, I mean, rhinos are a very good example of a species that has evolved to the point where they cannot where you cannot uh, get security without people involved because they don't have any natural predators, so they don't really know how to defend themselves from people and their, and their rifles. I mean, mm. some species are able to adapt by, by hiding and, and, and being becoming very cryptic, whereas rhino can't do that. Uh, and so it's one of those classic species that really needs to um, be protected by us. And therefore, if we can make them an ambassador species for what we as a species need to take responsibility for, then we can actually start uh, getting to the the proper solutions that, that take us forward. That's, you know, where governance and, and communities become your your first line of defense against criminals who want to take wildlife species for, for illegal gain. Mm, yeah. So do you think, quite honestly, so I'm just going to be a little bit of a, devil's advocate right now but do you think quite honestly that the efforts that are made as are sufficient do you think they are making any we are making any difference in terms of species protection and conservation i think there's a lot of effort being put into place by many different organizations i think what needs to happen is that we need to work more holistically and and work together i think that conservation and particularly environmental sustainable practices need to become mainstream we don't have a we don't have time to have that as a side function uh, over and above business and development any business and development that now takes place going forward if we don't actually start building in some sort of sustainability index into the measures against which we measure measure the outcomes and the success of companies we're going to fail as a species um, we can't have rampant oil and coal power plants expanding uh, without the consequences for our children becoming dire that we can't actually resolve it. So um, I unfortunately do think that the global economy is driving us closer to catastrophe than it, 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 uh, it, than most people realize. So from an individual level, we really need to, as a civil society, start changing our own behavior, travel less, uh, eat more locally, and supporting those those activities that make ecosystems function in a more healthy way and, and, and go back to those very basics. Uh. Mm, yeah. Um, I'm going to shift a little bit here. Um, so you have seen and experienced numerous challenges at, at various levels. I mean, you, you, you worked with animals, but you also work with people and, and you have seen poverty, you have seen sick animals, but you also have done a lot of really good things to try to improve what is going on. So I'm just curious to know what keeps you going. Well, I think for me, it's a calling and certainly the only thing that I think we can all do is try our best. I think we must do two things. We must realize we can't change the world by ourselves. We need to work as teams and every little bit of positive energy 
collectively will start making a change. We just need to really stop fighting with each other and work work closely. And one of my my biggest sort of things that I enjoy doing is is to work in teams that are constructive. And I've been very fortunate in my life to be involved with many relocations and reintroductions where our efforts collectively have resulted in animals being put back in places where they've gone extinct. And, uh, you know, little bits of, of those those efforts are, are, if you count them together, do make a difference in the long term. And I think the other thing that's, that's a lesson I learned in life is that stop trying to get credit for things that you do because mm. if, you do, if you're chasing that, then you end up um, doing the wrong things. And uh, if, you, if you're prepared to work without taking credit, then, uh, then you can achieve so much more and help others achieve what they need to achieve. So those sort of little things in combination and, and uh, philosophies keep me going. And, and if I can make somebody else's life but easier by by supporting them, then uh, that that gives you energy for for the next um, next while, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really teamwork, and as you said, so it it means that you also have to you have to get rid of your ego somehow, you know, because we work in a field where you know we work with you know researcher and veterinarians, and sometimes you you want to push the envelope, you want to do things, but is it the best thing for? others and for the animals or is it the best thing for you actually so i think yeah that's a that's a big main point yeah um so we're going to be close to the to the end of the interview i um i would like to know um if you had a message to deliver um what would that be and especially for you know new generations because they are the they are the hope and they are the young we really need to educate the young people and to make them aware of what is going on. So what would be your message to them? Well, I think as we all know that um, young people are the future of, of our planet and uh, maybe through collectively working with those older people that have had a bit of experience, you can fast track the ability to influence the future. And I think that's one thing that is I do see as a positive uh, change in the world uh, is that um, we uh, young people are able to adapt quicker than older people and uh, there are so many examples of you know even teenagers starting to lead the way in which change needs to take place and I think that's my encouragement is don't be constrained by barriers that were set up maybe about previous patriarchal systems, but rather look at what is really needed for the future and, and change the way we behave from a young person's point of view because you're going to inherit the world uh, going forward, you know. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not young. I'm still young and I'm going to be part of that move. But uh, is to really just uh, force through the change by your your economic behavior, by your personal behavior, and by your ethical behavior, and, and, and make sure that it talks towards a one health approach. Yeah. I think that's really the, the message I'd like to put out there. Mm. So you can, yeah, you, you, you can basically act as a mentor, uh, as, as an example, or something that can, you know, trigger vocation or trigger, you know, passion into young people's mind. And I think that's, that's what is really important. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you're doing such 
an incredible job. I mean, being a wildlife vet, and I was wondering how can if someone needs to or wants to be involved uh, aside you or you know working helping out, how how can we help out? What can we do? What what can every everyone can do? Well, I think there's there's a need for people to uh, develop uh, systems and processes that uh, maximize the sustainability of things. I think that's already happening with uh, sharing of vehicles and sharing of, of food and, and housing and all that type of stuff. And in the wildlife field, I think that you know um, <clears throat> there's a need, there's a real need to integrate um, you know how how young people feel, think, and want to achieve things with conservation outcomes. And uh, I do think that that needs to be translated right through to even poor communities living in rural areas. And uh, if, if people have got the means to uh, travel and assist, then, then working in those projects will probably have the biggest impact rather than trying to go and save baby elephants or whatever, you know, because that is nice to do, but it's not necessarily something that's going to change the outcome of very serious problems. So mm -hmm. think about how people and livestock and communities can play a role in the future conservation outcomes uh, going forward and how they can support protecting the environment, including national parks and all the species that are occurring in them. But you have to start at that basic level. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So we have to conclude, unfortunately. And uh, so, what would be your last word? What would be your conclusion? What, what, uh, which final message do you want to deliver here? I think, don't give up hope. Uh, there is still there is still time to change things. Technology can play a role, and the collective energy of young people's minds uh, influencing the way everybody behaves in the world is the solution to the future. I do really believe that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you very much. That was a great interview. Thank you, Marcus. Um, right. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate that. So we now better understand what is going on within the African bush, the challenges and the solutions. Um, I wish you a really good day. Thank you very much, Estelle, and uh, good luck to all of you and have a nice day there as well. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wildlife Conservation Insights podcast. You can find more about myself and the show, including our guest, on estelvet.com. If you like it, share it. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Each week I will select a question or a review from you and will present it to the next podcast. Go to slvet.com for further information and articles to go deeper into each episode. Bye-bye.